host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. We have with us today Miss Willa Jackson, and she's going to talk to us about No Pandemic Child Left Behind, which is Miss Jackson does some tutoring. And so with that, hello, Willa. Hello, Felice. How are you? I'm doing fine. And I also have with me today as my host, Mr. Ernest Kelly and Miss Stephanie Thomas. Hi, Ernie. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Hello. Hi, Felice. And hi, Willa. Welcome to the show. And Stephanie and Ernie. Okay, Willa, to get it started, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, initially, let me first of all say thank you, Felice and WGRN at 94.1 FM for this opportunity to share. I had a nephew that my mom and dad had to end up raising because my brother went overseas. While he was there with my mom and dad, with them being older, he was bringing all these papers home, and they had sad faces and great big Fs, and he was just not getting it. So I go to uh, Lima, and I tell him in a nice whisper, sweetie, go and gather up all your papers and let's meet in the living room or go to your room or sit on the back porch so I can show you what that teacher was trying to teach you. He'd start in crying. <laughs> He'd just carry on and carry on some more. And I remember one day saying to him, sweetie, this can take 20 minutes or two hours. It doesn't matter to me. But you're not getting up until I've taught you what that teacher was trying to teach you. He continued to cry, and I, I continued to not care. After about a year, this little boy went from straight Fs to making Bs and Cs and his favorite subject was science. It was him that told me, Auntie Willa, you should be a teacher. And I was like, what? Because he hated my guts. I mean, as soon as he saw me come through the door, he started crying. But I made a difference (laughs) in his life. (laughs) I made a difference, and I'm just one of those old-fashioned teachers where I am there to make a difference because there's not enough money in teaching. So I'm there to change lives. And I do it with a smile. Yeah, you do smile a lot, dear heart. (laughs) Everything (laughs) that you do. (laughs) So you you did end up going to school uh, to be a teacher? Absolutely. I am uh, the owner of NoPandemicChildLeftBehind.com. And as an executive secretary for 20 years, an OSU graduate with my BA in elementary education, And now a retired classroom teacher, I specialize in teaching non-readers and struggling readers, as well as adults, how to read. Since we're over here, forever I will remember when one of my second grade tutoring students jumped up from the Zoom session. He started running around the living room shouting, I can read, I can read. I have never been able to do that. He was so proud of himself, and I was and am even more proud of him. Let me share this. (laughs) In my program, what I don't do is teach A, Apple, but I teach A, Acorn, A, Able, A, Asia, and all the remaining phonetic sounds. My tutoring program begins with establishing a relationship, 
A child truly does not care how much you know until he knows how much you care. So writing skills, critical vocabulary, and homework support, along with math intervention, are also part of my program. I ensure success. My little boy, who had never read before, he called me at 9 o'clock one evening so that he could read me his library book. His learning has become <laughs> intrinsic, and he's smiling about it. I'm so happy for him, so happy to have been a part of his learning journey. And I want to do that for every child and even adult to get past that stigma and to take them into this brand-new arena arena called learning. Um, my question, and thank you for just for everything that you do just to install education for, for our children, but how has COVID impacted the way you teach? I mostly teach using Zoom. Now, sometimes parents will bring a child to my home when it's a difficult subject. We can't really get the gist of it using Zoom, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I mask up. We socially distance. And uh, I have all my materials here in the house. So we just have to do what we've got to do to get the point across. Thank you. You're welcome. Willa, why did you decide to start No Child No Child Left Behind during the pandemic? No Pandemic Child Left Behind was created when I saw what was happening to our children. With me being in the school system for 21 years, I know what the scenario was when I left. And to see that the children were not in school every day, they were already coming from a place of uh, not mastering the subject area. So I felt as though I was needed. It's time for me to come out of retirement was my thought. And let me do what I do best. So I started No Pandemic Child Left Behind and brought in kids from some everywhere. And and they were just like my nephew because I'm I'm old-fashioned. You're going to sit and you're going to listen, and I need for you to read. I need to hear you reading. I need to hear you answering questions using complete sentences because when you, when you speak using complete sentences, you can write doing the same. So I required certain things. And with me having small groups, then it, I was capable of being able to reach my goal in theirs as well. What's the uh, youngest students that you start with? I normally enjoy the second graders all the way up to fifth grade, even though I have had a high school senior. I've had all the way up to fifth grade, I, uh, even a seventh grader. No, no, I'm sorry, a sixth grader. So I've pretty much been within second grade to the sixth grade tutoring them. Thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, Willa, when you say that you worked for the school system, what were some of the schools that you uh, worked with? I began on the east side near East High School where the school was called Fair Avenue Arts Impact Academy. Since you mentioned that, it makes me think of this one little boy that was in my class. He could not read his name if it was in front of him. But with it being arts impact, that means whatever we were learning, we would have to turn it into a performance. So the kids wrote the music. They created the the backdrop. They even 
wrote the script using our social studies notes and, of course, language arts in our reading. Well, one part of it was the oldest person of the village, and he had to walk out into the center stage, and this little boy memorized his line, and he started our performance, and he walked out there like an old man, and he stood there, and he stood up and looked at the audience, and he said, oh, my whole people, and he continued on. That gives me goosebumps even now. I know that boy could not read, but he took care of business. He did what he had to do, and he made himself proud. I'm still beaming, and that was 25 (laughs) years ago. But I remember, remember, I'll never forget that child, and so many more. Oh, my goodness, so many more. What were some of the other schools that you worked at? Oh, I'm sorry. I got caught up, didn't I? That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I like the example of you sharing, you know, your first experience, you know, one of your first experiences when you first started working in the school system, how you still remember that after 20 or 30 years. You can't forget something like that because you know the history. Well, I only worked for two schools. And again, it was Fair Avenue Arts Impact. And then I moved over to Sherwood Middle School. And the strangest thing is the problems that the children were experiencing in elementary school, because I started out by teaching third graders. Some of those same problems existed in middle school. So that was very, very discouraging. And it took a whole lot more work because that means that the children were now feeling defeated. I'll never forget having a seventh grader who would sit towards the back of the room, nice and quiet little boy. And after we did our assessments, you know, the beginning of the year test, I realized this boy could not read, and I would keep him in, and I would do some of those old-fashioned tests called a running record. That's what you do way back in elementary school. So you read and listen to every word that child says, and from there we can figure out what's going on in their heads. This little boy had made it all the way to the seventh grade and could not read the word O-R, could not read it from in the world. So he was functioning at a three-year-old level. How did he get to the seventh grade? So I remember saying to the child, we'll do all that we can. And I got him from where he was to second grade. And I thank God for that. I'm grateful that I was allowed that opportunity. But look at the state and condition of the children then and imagine them being out of school altogether. Yes, that's why I started back. So I just kind of wanted to ask you, what do you feel when you were during this time period of teaching what some of the students were missing that would cause them to fall behind? Well, two things. One is self-esteem, because when kids misbehave in the classroom because they would rather be thought of as being bad rather than being dumb. That's why Mm. they would cut up in my room, and I I would tell them, (laughs) sweetie, go sit in that corner and look at a crack in the wall. And they would say, what crack you want me to look at, Miss Jackson? And one. And one. Choose a crack and look at it. <laughs> the reason why they were cut up is because they wanted to get out of my room. And it's like, no, you're not going anywhere. You're going to sit right here and you're going to learn. 
I would keep them in for recess and I would call and ask their parents if I could keep them in after school so that I can help them because I was teaching English. English and language arts is critical, especially because you got so much to look at. You can't just say eight out of 20 right. No, you've got to add details to their writing so that they can see what they did right and what they need to work on. So every evening, I was at school, so it didn't matter to me about them staying after. And they did. I call home all the time. Hey, can I keep your baby? Yes, ma'am. Miss Jackson, keep him right there. <laughs> and that means I'd have snacks in the desk drawer and all kinds of things. I did what I had to do to make a difference. And I took it personally. I was not going to allow those kids to fail. Not on my watch. I'm going to give them all I had. And I still do. Oh, let me tell you about this one. I got a little second grader. Because, you know, you can't tutor once the uh, test begins. So I had to stop teaching my uh, fifth grader, but I still have this little second grader. And you ought to see a little frown in his face like, oh, Miss Jackson, he knows he's not going to get away with it. But if we've got an hour-long session and he does not finish in an hour, I'll sit right there and I'll work with him for as long as it takes for him to get it finished. And he wants to get rid of me, so he'll go ahead and work. (laughs) Oh, goodness, that's funny. So now he doesn't frown his face up because he knows he's stuck with me. <laughs> he'll go ahead and get it done. But now what he does, he'll finish his math so that we can read together. And okay. imagine, I just have to pat myself on the chest and say, oh, be still my heart. He wants to read. That's his reward. God is doing a work in my life and through my life for his glory. And I'm so glad about it. And I don't apologize for it because it's not me. But it's something within me that helps me to get a job done and to do it well. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. If an adult came to you, because I, I can remember growing up that my parents during their generation, a lot of them, you know, they only went to like the sixth or seventh grade because mm-hmm. they had to end up, you know, helping to support the, the family. If someone mm-hmm. came to you at, at this, at, at a, you know, as an adult, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years old, would mm-hmm. you take them on? And also the second question to that, would it be, is it easier to, to, to like, tutor a child than it is an adult? You know, again, I begin with relationship. A child or a person does not care how much you know until they know how much you care. The children yeah. work for me because they're used to being in the classroom. They're used to doing this work. But I feel as though I can work better and even faster with an adult because I'm coming to them to fill in the gap. They know something. Yeah. If they just need to understand that A, Abel, A, Asia, A, acorn, not A, apple, that's a long vowel and a short vowel. But, you know, America will never, ever confess to confusing a child, but I make it plain, and I work it just like that, and I teach every other phonetic sound within the English language. So I'm okay with both of them but I won't teach an adult in the class with the children. That'll have to be at another time. I teach adults in the evening. Thank you.
I just wanted to know what are some things for our listeners who are parents like that they can do at home with their kids, like exercises to help them in their development? That's a good question. It's the truth. Read to your children. We see parents reading to their children on television, but you rarely see enough of that. But we need for these children to see us read on on our own, but especially to read to them because it increases their vocabulary when they hear those words. And the sooner, the better. Because if you even if that child doesn't understand what you're saying, it's still going into their little minds. I'll never forget my daughter as a tiny little bitty something. Oh, two, three months old. I would just hold her and she'd just look up at me and she just grinning and carrying on. And I would say, when you grow up, you're going to be a doctor, but not any kind of doctor. You're going to be a brain surgeon. And I just talked to her and talked to her. Well, I remember when she was about two, I said, Anita, what you going to be when you grow up? She said, a band setting. But that girl heard me. So read to these kids. And don't just do the work. Ask them questions. Who is the main character? What is it that they're doing? Ask them like prediction questions. What do you think is going to happen next? And get all excited about it because our kids want to please us. And home is the very first school that a child will attend, and they believe what we say. That's why we have to be so mindful of what we say to our children. Parents have said, you're so dumb, they believe us. You're so stupid, they believe us. So why not say, you are so bright. I am so proud of you. Look at how well you did. I don't care if it's upside down and it's going backwards. Tell them how good they did so that they will want to please you and do even better. And have your baby to write. Because a child can always read the words, but do they understand what they've read? So have them to write something. And you can see so much of how they're processing information through what they write. All of that. It's tedious work. It's real work. So it has to be a labor of love and patience. And when you teach the same thing over and over and over again, that's okay. It's just like a touch, a loving touch. A person won't even believe that you love them until you can touch them seven times in a way that's loving and meaningful. How much more would you say to a child? How you smile at a child? All of that matters. So it's a labor of love, but it's labor. Labor is real live work. Thank you so much for sharing with the audience with that journey of education at an early age. So thank you for Mm -hmm. dropping those signs and helping us. Okay. um, I'm just going to go around one more time. Um, Ernie, do you have any other questions for Willa before we get ready to um, sign out here? I just want to say I'm so glad that, you know, she's teaching uh, the youth in our community because you can just see the passion in her in her voice and, uh, uh, and I'm sure that that transfers over to whoever she's teaching. Steffi, do you have another question for her before we um, get right signing off? No, I do not. But thank you so much for coming on our show and, and sharing your story and 
you can definitely hear the passion in, in your voice and the gift that you have within. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Willa, what I'd like to ask you is, could you please share with our listeners how they can reach you as far as no pandemic child left behind or just if it, they just need assistance with uh, getting their child uh, some assistance with various subject matters? Mm-hmm. I, you can leave me a message at nopandemicchildleftbehind.com or you can send me a Gmail at Ms. Jackson at nopandemicchildleftbehind.com. Okay. I don't think it's Gmail. It will just be .com. Before we go, I understand and know that you have another um, business. Could you tell us a little bit about that before we get ready to um, sign off? I will thank you again for this opportunity because I'm on a mission to raise awareness by informing both teens and women globally who suffer in silence from incontinence issues, cramps, heavy bleeding, unhealthy menstrual cycles, and the potential toxicity of tampon use. And our goal is to bring light to a subject that has silenced females around the world for far too long and to men Please don't shy away from this subject because women give birth to boys and girls who become fathers and wives. So this should not be a taboo subject. This is something we need to talk more about and share this information because a lot of women are suffering in silence. And when I say women, I'm not just talking about adult women, but also young girls, daughters, granddaughters, nieces. These problems the young ones are going through are a lot of issues that they should not have to go through. For years, many of us have had problems with over-the-counter products. And I do not bash products, so I won't mention the name. But we've had to use these products for many, many years, and no one could have told us that they had toxins and chemicals in them, but they do. Do the research. These women are dealing with heavy feminine flow, some having to change every hour or two. The excruciating cramps are so debilitating that cramps are the leading cause for women and young girls to miss the first two days of work and school. And this leads to suffering and silence, having accidents at work and school leading to shame and embarrassment, and having accidents at night while sleeping. It's crazy. And for all these years, women have had no choices, no other alternatives until now. I I was uh, looking through some paperwork, and I wrote down some of the testimonials. And this one lady, in uh, Mary in Ohio, said, I love the past. They stay dry for a long time. They're comfortable, and they don't move around. Lori in Ohio said, my flow is very heavy, and usually I'm running to the bathroom every hour. With rain, I have never felt so comfortable and relaxed during my menstrual flow my entire adult life. This girl, Alicia in New York, said, I just gave birth about a week ago. These rain pads captured all the waste without mess or odor, and I have no cramps. Heidi in Pennsylvania said, it does not even feel like I'm wearing anything. I can't even believe it. And what's even more amazing is that I normally get really bad cramps on day one, but with rain, no pain at all. And the last uh, example or testimony that I have here, this lady, Tina, in South Carolina said, my life doesn't have to stop 
just because of my cycle. With rain, I stay cool, dry, and fresh. The name of our product is natural. Has for you is my portion of it. That's my domain. So for more information, reach out to me at naturalpadsforyou at gmail.com, and I thank you already. Well, Ms. Jackson, we thank you for being on our show with us today, and we thank you for sharing about No Pandemic Child Left Behind, and it was interesting to hear about your other business. And with that being said, this is Felice. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.